Welcome to the Relaxed Running Podcast, the show that helps runners and athletes in running-based sports transform the way they run. Here's your host, Tyson Popplestone. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Relaxed Running Podcast. Great to have you here. Today on the show, we're joined by Blake Bourne. Now, how's this for a story? Blake Bourne, in just a few weeks' time, the 3rd of August this year, is going to attempt to run across the Simpson Desert. It's a 380-kilometer journey. His aim is to run three days and eight hours. I mean, it's a, it's a number or a time next to a race result that I've just never seen before. That's a long race. I mean, most of my races were done in under four minutes or near eight minutes. I never really stretched it out to three days. The guy's got an incredible story. In fact, he has this one for you. I got tagged in an Instagram post by my mum about a month ago. She goes, Tice, have a look at this video. Watch a few more of his videos. Read some of his posts and tell me you don't want him on the show. I said, first of all, I was impressed. The fact that my mum knew how to tag me on Instagram, very impressed. She's 65 years old. She's never tagged me in an Instagram post before, I don't think. And so I did. I went across to his Instagram page, had a look. The, the guy's got an incredible story. He's had a rough run, but he's really turned things around. We get into it in a little bit more detail. But a few years ago, he attempted suicide after a real dark struggle with mental health issues and uh, woke up on the bed looking at the faces of family and friends and made a decision that that would never happen again. He's doing his best for not only himself to transform the way he lives, but to inspire others to do it. So it was a really vulnerable conversation, a really honest conversation, and one which I really respect him for. It's always difficult to talk about the struggles that you're going through on an individual level. And uh, I've just got massive respect for what he's doing uh, and the way he's going about it. He's a, he's a lovely guy. He's a real straight shooter, very honest, very straight up. Uh, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. So we focus a lot on the conversation around the Simpson Desert Run. We touch a little bit on the subject of mental health. And for an event like this, I was just so curious to find out about training and nutrition and support crews and weather and uh, everything else that goes into such a big run. So, hey, I really hope you enjoyed this one. I've tagged everything about the event that I can find, everything about Blake in the show notes below. Just before we get into it, I wanted to remind you, if you didn't know already, we still have spaces left for our Falls Creek Run Camp taking place in December this year from the 14th to the 18th. It's going to be an awesome getaway. I've linked that in the description below. Would love to have you there if you're interested in joining us. So if that sounds like something that you're curious about, come and train at one of the most beautiful places. A little bit of altitude for here in Australia with me and nine other guys and girls. Hey, make sure you hit that link. But for now, hey, sit back, relax, and enjoy this really inspiring conversation with Blake Bourne. You're a Trelgan boy. I, I was born in Trelgan. My mum's a Trelgan woman. She's still down there now with the whole family. My dad used to play footy for Trelgan. And she sent me a, a link on Instagram the other day. She goes, Tice, mate, watch this guy's clip. Watch this guy's clip and tell me you don't want him on your podcast. And so I watched it and I messaged you straight away, bro. I was like, all right. This is a wild, inspirational story. Uh, the fact that it culminates in an unbelievable run means you're a really good fit for this particular podcast. But, dude, I thought as way of introduction, and, I mean, it sounds like it's a long story. It sounds as though it's a uh, like a heart-wrenching story in a lot of ways and and one that we're, we're lucky to have you around to tell. But I was thinking maybe you could just let me, let the audience know a little bit about um, what it is that you're doing and and some of the foundation or some of the origin stories as to why it is that you're about to embark on this uh, this big mission. Yeah, so on August 3rd, uh, 2023, so in only three and a half weeks, 
I'll be heading off um, to run across the Simpson Desert. So 380 kilometers and aiming to break the world record, which is three days and eight hours and raise 38 grand for mental health research and suicide prevention. So $100 for every kilometer run. And the motivation behind the run um, stems from my own battles with mental health and seeing um, the negative impacts that it has on people close to me as well. I've had um, a lot of people go through their own battles and had um, mates lose loved ones to suicide and, yeah, seeing the impact it does on you, I had to do something. Yeah, man. Yeah, because you had a pretty close run with it. Just to, I can't remember the actual dates, but during one of the – so my introduction to you was one of the clips that you put forth on Instagram where you were just explaining – um, you know, that you'd, you'd had a crack at taking your own life and you woke up in a hospital bed just seeing the shock, the distress, the sort of fear and stuff on, on friends and loved ones' faces. And I guess, I mean, it doesn't get much lower than that. But I, I think like the, the conversation around suicide is a really interesting one because most of us know someone who have either attempted it or they've have, have lost a loved, loved one to it. I mean, I'm 36 now and unfortunately through those 36 years, uh, touch wood no one really close to me but but a number of people in circles that I've kind of run with literally and uh, you know that I've heard of have, have, have suffered from it so like the conversation around mental health is a really interesting one this particular conversation has so many directions that it could go but mate it it really blows my mind and really inspires me because I, I look at the or I hear that story and I see what you're up to now and and even without talking to you I go oh well for anyone really wrestling right now not only is there a way out of it but there's something much bigger to live for there's something to be able to get out of bed for each day and be excited about and I don't know I'd love to hear a little more about that like where are you at now in terms of like the dealing with mental health and and the struggles that you've had in the past and um, I'd love to tap into some of the resources or tools that you've used used as well because often these mental tools that we use for our own uh, life challenges seem to correlate really beautifully to navigating our way through running performance as well. So, I mean, I, it's a bit of an open-ended question. I hope that made yeah. sense. Just run with that for a minute and, uh, and leave <laughs> yeah. me leave me somewhere, brother. So I think I still go through, have dark days from time to time, as I think a lot of people do. Um, but one thing that I've been focusing on a lot, especially over the last two years is getting myself in uncomfortable situations. Um, so one thing I've done is every week um, I set myself an uncomfortable challenge, so something that's outside of my comfort zone, and that's helped a lot with building um, resilience and confidence within myself that when I go through these dark times, I know I can get through them. For sure, man. For sure. It's interesting. Uh, I don't know how much you know or follow David Goggins, but he's got a really similar message. And it sounds like his his actual origin or his introduction into this particular world was was very much like yourself. It sounded like for him, he was in a place that he didn't want to be. But it, it always seems to be people who have walked through the darkest time who have the most to share. And what, what I love about your particular story and people like Dave Goggins is, like I touched on before, you, you hear about the struggle and for a lot of people, they just let themselves wallow in that and go, okay, well, I guess this is just the card I've been dealt and don't recognize it as potentially just a difficult period in their life, which there's so many tools that you can glean from that. 
So from your perspective, um, what these resilience building challenges, just what that idea of going out and actually challenging yourself physically or mentally with whatever challenge. I mean, I've seen a couple and there's some real good ones that you're doing on a weekly basis. What that for you just gives you a little bit of confidence in the fact that, you know, if you can overcome these these smaller and sometimes bigger challenges that you're putting on yourself, like that correlates pretty nicely into the the bigger picture of uh, whatever it is that you're going through. Exactly. And it, yeah, builds that trust within yourself that holding yourself accountable to the promises you make is a big one. So um, like you might think in your head, oh, in a week, whatever, I'm going to have an ice bath. And then you get to that week, it's freezing cold. You don't want to have the ice bath. It's the last thing on your head. And then by doing so, by doing that anyway, you overcome that mental hurdle and then you just, yeah, build that confidence within yourself. Yeah, man. No, it makes so much sense. I'm a, I'm trying to think of the name of the book, but I had a friend of mine, oh, Do Hard Things is the name of the book, which is aptly yeah. named, bro. You would absolutely love it. So Do Hard Things, <laughs> I've, only been, I've only been told about it. I haven't actually read it. But essentially yeah. the, the author, I don't know his name, he talks about the fact that like our generation, I think I'm a little bit older than you. Our generation is uh, fairly well coddled. Like our, our parents, for whatever reason, have protected us. Where that we're the kind of people that we like to avoid challenge. And as a result of that, so many of the things that we're dealt are really difficult for us to navigate our way through. Like this is obviously a real big stereotype, real big generalization. But I think you don't have to be a genius to see that it's true in in a lot of people's lives. And uh, what I like about this particular book is much like what you're doing, he encourages you to get out there at least a few times a year and, and commit yourself to a challenge, which is there's a 50% chance of you actually being able to complete it. And the reason that he recommended that was just because of this idea that for so often, like our days revolve around just building comfort and being happy and not pushing ourselves you know, physically, mentally, or whatever it is that um, you know, clearly you and myself and so many of our listeners enjoy doing um but it just gives you that confidence it gives you a, a little bit of an insight into what it is that you're capable of but i mean man, there's a there's a massive big story in between sort of your lowest point and what you're about to embark on in in just a couple of weeks time I, what, what's the story with running how is it that running got on your radar why is it that you've chosen this particular challenge like have you always been a runner because i mean no I've, yeah i go. only got into running in 2021 so yeah only been running a couple of years um fighter by blood done that for 10 years so started um at 14 and i'm 24 now so yeah did boxing competitively um absolutely loved the sport but there was a lot of corruption and things involved and sort of fell out of love uh with the competition side of things um, and that was my purpose or motivation for a long time. So not having that in my life anymore definitely took a big toll. And, um, yeah, sort of did a little bit of running, um, training for boxing, but they were all sort of short runs like 2K intervals and things like that. It wasn't until I got out of hospital that I realised I didn't really have boxing to turn to anymore. And I needed something. So, yeah, got into running then. Yeah, man, it's such a nice sport. It's interesting the way you explain that because 
Uh, to be honest, I kind of had the re- the reverse effect. I, I finished competitive running back in about 2014. And I remember on some of those afternoons that I'd get home and usually I'd get home from work, I would get changed, grab something to eat and I'd drive into the botanical gardens in the city because my, my group was about to start training or they would start training at about five o'clock. And then I would train till about seven by the time the session was done. I'd get home at eight and you know it's done. And I remember getting home a couple of days. I was a teacher. I'd get home from school and I would sit there and I'd go, there's three hours that I've never had to consider what to do with. Like I've got no hobbies. I didn't really have any interest. I had to, I remember sitting on our back porch. We used to feed this magpie and I was feeding this magpie sitting there going, mate, I've got no idea what I'm going to fill this time with. I mean, it didn't take too long, but it's, it doesn't surprise me that a, a fairly time consuming sport like boxing leads you into potentially, you know, an ultra distance run, like what you're about to get into based on the fact that, it's a similar kind of mindset. Like obviously in yeah. boxing, you're going to need that, um, you know, there's different skill sets like that, that speed, the agility and things that come with a sport like that. But just the, yeah. that full on nature that it requires from you correlates pretty beautifully and as I'm sure you've found out in the world of running already. Yeah. I love what one thing that I loved about boxing was the ability to, to push yourself to the absolute maximum. Like, yeah, you get out what you put in most of the time, um, but obviously with fights, it's not always the case. You can put in a lot of work and you don't necessarily get the results. Um, but with running, it's one thing where you can push, push yourself to the absolute max and you're going to get that back. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. It's one thing I love about it as well. So what you've only been running a couple of years and what, what I love about a bloke like you is the fact that you've set your you've set your vision on on something which is multifaceted. Like you've got the world record attempt. What was it, three hundred and eighty or three hundred and eight kilometers that you're running? Um so the exact distance is three hundred and seventy nine Ks, so three hundred and eighty. Yeah, three hundred and eighty Ks, uh two years worth of running. What's that? What's that journey look like for you? Like from a training perspective, where did you even start? I, I can imagine, like so many people, it, you've got a little bit of an idea. You just go out there and start doing some real fast running and just see what you can do. But I'd love to know what that story's looked like between then and now, and um, you know, just any of the, uh, you know, the, the physical challenge or stresses that have been on your body that you've had to navigate your way through. Yeah, so I started yeah running a couple of years ago. Started at about two or three K I think. And then just gradually increased that each week. I started off just increasing 500 meters every week and then got myself to about eight K and then I was doing an eight K run once and felt good. I'm like stuff that I'll do 10. So I did 10 and then I was doing 10 K five times a week. And then a few shorter runs as well. And then, yeah, just gradually increased and increased. And then did that for about a year, just sort of doing my own thing, juggling running with boxing. And then last year, got a running coach um, who's put together a bit of a training program for me. And yeah, again, just continued building up the Ks and got me long runs. I was doing... 64Ks back-to-back. Gee, man. what? When was this that you were doing 64Ks? Um, maybe like six or seven weeks ago. Yeah, wait, 64Ks a week? Or are you talking 
Uh, no, back like in on a run, single run. Isn't that unbelievable? I was doing, yeah, close to 200 Ks a week. Wow, man. So uh, there's a couple of things I, I'm going to ask you there. So obviously, I don't know if I said this when we already recorded or not, but you and I, both from the same town originally, I live there. I'm still down yeah. there. My mum used to live on Berry Street opposite the Trelgan Athletics track, just near the tennis court. Oh, yeah, that's a nice street. It's, a, a, dude, bit, it's a, a nice street. It's a beautiful street, man. She's uh, She moved out about 18 months ago, but um, she's near the railway reserve in Trelgan, which is nice for selfish reasons when I get down there because, I mean, it's a beautiful place to get out there and go for a run. But um, who's coaching you down there? Um, so I've got an online coach. Sean Bowers is his name. It's from Sydney. Oh, okay. Okay, Sean Bowers, is it? Yeah. Oh, big shout out to Sean. So what what put you on to him? Like what what's the uh, what was the appeal to Sean? How did you find out about him and what it was that he was uh, offering? Yeah, so I've done did boxing and was getting ready for a big fight last year. I knew it was going to be my last fight because I had this run coming up, so I'm like, no, I'm going all out. Went to Sydney, was training with um, some of the pros up in Sydney and some of the top amateurs and trained with um, Trent Langhans as well, who's Harry Garside's strength and conditioning coach, was training with him and then spoke to him about my run a few months later and he got me in contact with Sean. Yeah, beautiful, man. And how's it been? Because uh, an event like what it is that you're training for, it's a unique one. Uh, most of the athletes that I coach are, are racing between sort of 5K and a marathon. And I always say, if you want help with the ultra stuff, I'm not the man for the job because you'd probably know just as much as me. So um, how have you gone about structuring the training? Obviously, you've, you've done quite a lot of that back-to-back work, uh, you know, with 200Ks in the week, which sounds as though it's a, I mean, it's a huge amount, but what's required for, for the challenge that you've set yourself. Um, what kind of conditions are you going to be facing out in the, the desert as well? Is it going to be super hot, um, it'll, super still? It'll be, yeah, hot during the day, freezing at night and sand the entire way. <laughs> and there's about 1,200, just under 1,200 sand dunes I've got to climb as well. So about four every K. Oh, my gosh. So how are you actually, you've obviously got a support crew coming along with you. Yeah. And- yeah I'll run it solo but i'll have a support vehicle with food and water yeah that's cool so what kind of stuff have you done around food and hydration has that been something that you've been trying to navigate your way through have you got any particular plan or idea with the the gels and fueling and uh hydration i won't have gels gels are good for maras but i've tried them on longer distances and they just give you the runs so (laughs) avoiding them but yeah just Food that goes down easy. The big thing's tr- just trying to get the calories in. I'll probably burn close to 15,000 calories a day. So, yeah, just trying to get food that goes down easy and it's full of calories. Yeah, that makes sense. So in the lead-up to it, what what does a, a average week of training look like for you at the moment? Like if you walked us through a sort of Sunday to Saturday setup, what are you doing? At, at the moment, it's um, pretty... The running's not too intense. I had a injury about five week, five six weeks ago. Um, so coming back from that, I've sort of just slowly been picking up the Ks again. I only got back into running again last week. Um, but, yeah, been doing a lot of strength work um, and things like that. So, yeah, strength training about five times a week and then back running again now as well, which is good. Nice, man. So before the injury, like at the peak of, of the training 
did did you have a pretty consistent foundation of of what you were doing each week? Yeah, so I'd do Mondays were 10K. Um, Tuesdays I'd do intervals or hill sprints. Wednesday I'd do a mid-distance run, so 24K. And then have Thursday off and then Friday and Saturday were my long runs. Okay, and what, 64K back-to-back were the, the longest runs that you did? Yeah, that's unbelievable, man. And how do you how do you feel out on those runs? So, are you pretty much doing that solo? You got a little bit of food and hydration and stuff that you're carrying with you, or how are you navigating your way through? Because what sixty four k? That's how many hours is that each uh, each run? That's a that's a wild. Depends how sore I Fluctuates from about five and a half hours to seven sometimes. Yeah. So, what are you doing on those runs in terms of just keeping yourself up and about? Um, I. It depends where I'm running. Like I can run, obviously being a local boy, you'd know, but for those that don't, you can run from Terrelwyn to Cowra, which is another town and back. And that's, I'm trying to think now, I think that's about 60K and there's a town every 10 to 15K. So you can just grab something from the shops and keep going. Or when I do my beach runs, I try to go over there every fortnight. I just park my car somewhere and then run 10K, turn around, come back to my car, grab my supplies, run another 10, turn around, come back. Yeah. Is that out at Sea Spray? Um, been going over there, going to Golden Beach a little bit and the big drift over at Wilson's Prom as well. Oh, beautiful, man. Yeah, copping a little bit of scenery on those long runs as well. Good. Wilson's Prom is, if, if you're not from Australia listening to this or you're not from Victoria, never been to Wilson's Prom, I, uh, I encourage you to Google it. My, my wife, my brother-in-law, his wife, we went out there a couple of years ago and just did some of the hikes. And, dude, like, as you're even walking along there, I was like, I can't believe this is my country. This is the most unbelievable scenery. It's a good spot. Yeah, we actually, I was lucky enough. I've got a mate with a dad with way too much money. And he's got a boat that uh, uh, he took us out on a couple of years ago as well. And I think it's called Fairy Cove out in, or Airy. Oh, yeah. Fairy, like I don't a, think I've been there, but I've definitely heard of it. Dude, it's uh, the most beautiful place I've ever seen. And we just drove this boat into this little cove. We were swimming into shore and sitting on the deck of the boat, just looking around. I was thinking, mate, like you could be, if you're in Italy right now, these are the things that you'd just be desperate to send photos to your family about and go check this out. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so that I know that path that you're talking about out to Kawa. So that's on the, the the gravel path just next to the highway. Is it that you're running along? Yeah, that's been a, yeah. that's been a great addition to that part of the world. Hey, because when I was training for a marathon before COVID, um, you know, stuffed it up a couple of years ago. I was whenever I was down in Trelawan, I would get out there along that trail, and mate, it was such a game changer. Because I don't know how you've found it, but sometimes running around a particular suburb, it sounds like with your beach runs and Wilson's Prom and stuff like that, you've navigated your way out of it but there's only so many laps yeah. of Trelgan <laughs> you're gonna do <laughs> before you start questioning your decision to run across the yeah. Simpson Desert no I did I did a 60 just around the Trelgan once which isn't a big town and yeah I was just zigzagging through all the streets everyone's probably looking at me thinking I was up to no good running it yeah uh, so middle of the night <laughs> is that what time you're doing it well I didn't start at the middle of the night but you're running for six hours or so. It was when it was real hot, so I'd start my runs at like four o'clock once the heat had gone down a little bit just so I didn't get sunburned. Yeah. 
And then, yeah, run for six hours, so you finish at like 10 o'clock. Do you know a guy called Nenet Sousa? I do. He gives me massages. Dude, he's the man. Tell him I said hello. So Nanette was actually, <laughs> he, used to, he gave me a couple of massages back in the day. He was a guy that I used to do a little bit of running with, not heaps, but when I lived in Trelgan, especially in my high school days. So going back to like 2005 is when I finished year 12, him and I would, would catch up. And man, he used to have the reputation that you're starting to create for yourself around Trelgan. He was the bloke that you'd see him running at two o'clock and then you'd see him again <laughs> at six o'clock. You're like, mate, this guy, I can't believe he's still going. Um, yeah. but he'd, he'd be a good bloke to, to pick his brain about this. Have you, have you run any questions no, past is. him around, uh, training for the ultra? Yeah. So I get a massage from him every, every few weeks and yeah, we always talk about it. Yeah. Talk about the run. So what was the, uh, sort of the, um, inspiration to, to pick the run that you did? There's so many different options. Like what was it about the Simpson desert that appealed to you? Yeah. So I've always had a little bit of a fascination with the Simpson desert from a young age. And I remember, Growing up, I absolutely loved The Simpsons and I was in year three and we were studying the map of Australia and it, The Simpson Desert stuck out to me then. So I've always sort of had a little bit of in, interest in it in the back of my head. Um, but the reason the run came to me, I was in hospital after a suicide attempt, come out, was in a real dark place, knew I had to do something but wasn't sure what to do and read about a woman called Samantha Gash who ran the Simpson Desert in 2012 and I said, I'm doing that and, yeah, just stuck with it since then. Yeah, that's unreal, man. That's unreal. It's um, it's pretty daunting. I had to Google it before I spoke to you because it's pretty much – I didn't know exactly where in Australia it was but – it's it's fairly, if I looked at the image right, it's fairly smack bang in the middle, isn't it? Yeah, so I start in South Australia, run across South Australia, Northern Territory, and then finish in Queensland. Yeah, that is unbelievable. So how does it look from, you're in Trelgan now, what you fly to South Australia and then just get yourself all organised, prepared, and, and then what's the official start date? So the official start date's August 3rd, I'll be running. So drive up so we have the support vehicle up there so it's about four four days to drive up so yeah leave late july drive up and be there ready to run august 3rd yeah man awesome have you uh have you already got your eyes on on future destinations or at the moment is this one pretty much the uh the sole focus i'm just locked in for this right now there's yeah it's one of those ones i sorry you go no, I was just saying I've had a lot of um, – there's a lot of options of things I can do after the run, but none of them matter until I get this done. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point as well. It's funny. It's a big question. I, I'd been watching this documentary around the Tour de France the other night, and they were speaking to a number of the riders, and they said, you put yourself through so much misery each and every tour, and – I don't know exactly what happens, but towards the end, you go, I'm never going to do this again. And then about three days yeah. after the tour finishes, you're already starting to look forward to next year. And I get the vibe that what you're about to embark on is going to be a pretty similar experience just because it's going to be, I'm sure there's going to be a few uh, little dark patches along the way that uh, that your little weekly challenges and big weekly challenges have got you all prepped for. But it, it seems like one of those ones that once you start looking back through the photos and 
having a chat about it, especially if you're you're successful. Like it's one of those ones that just leaves yeah. you with a, a little strut in your step. I can imagine you going, all right, where's the next desert? What's the next target? But you you haven't looked at that at all. No, nah, so it's, the way I look at it, it's sort of like a boxing fight. So you have professional boxers and they might be in a position to to get ready for a world title, but if they're looking at that world title and they have a different opponent in front of them, well, they're underestimating them. I'm not underestimating what um, is in front of me. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. There's a lot of things I've got to overcome first. So, yeah, get this run out of the way and I'm sure I'll keep pushing the, pushing the limits in due time. Yeah. Have you got any idea of how you're going to structure it? Is it just run until you drop each day or an hour on, a few minutes off? Or what, what does the actual schedule look like? Yeah, so I'll be running... Uh, 5k refill me liquids every 5k have a snack every 10k have a meal every 20 to 25k and then continue that the whole time that's unreal that's unreal yeah, and how many people have you got? oh oh dude it's i can tell there'd be some people i mean we've got a big audience that listen to this and there's going to be a number of sickos who absolutely love what it is that you're talking about now because there's something about a challenge like this, especially when it comes to a desert. Um, I don't know if you know, do you know Wim Hof? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm a big fan of Wim Hof, and I can't remember exactly what desert it is or what desert uh, desert it was that he crossed, but uh, I, I saw him doing it. And he was, he said, and I'm not trying to give you any ideas, his goal was to do it without drinking water. <laughs> and uh, I remember watching it, and I was, I don't, there was some just dark part of me that was so attracted to what it was that he was putting himself through. And it was the flip side to what I'd usually seen. Like a lot of the time I'd seen him swimming under the ice and, you know, trying to just sit it out in freezing cold water. But it was that same kind of attitude that was required. Like he'd put himself in a situation and then he'd just go, okay, now now deal with this. And much to what you said to kickstart the conversation, it's uh, it's mind-blowing what humans are, are capable of. Are there, are there many people, you mentioned a name before of, of someone who, who ran across the Simpson Desert. Like, had, yeah. are, there, are there many people who have actually done it? From my research, there's been a few people tried, but there's only been four that have successfully done it. So I'll be the fifth. That is, yeah. How does that make you feel knowing that? Like, I don't know what the number of people who haven't quite made it is, but yeah. I guess that just adds to the uh, the fuel to your fire a little bit to get it done. Yeah, I'm pumped. I know I can do it. So I'm yeah, fired up, looking forward to it. Can't wait to get out there. Yeah. Are, are you the kind of guy, will you run with headphones or you just like the sound of your own footsteps? Nah, run with nothing. I'll be, yeah, dry the whole way. Is that your, your, what you're doing with all your training as well? You don't usually listen to music yeah. or anything? Don't listen to anything at all other than the environment around me and my own head. There's no better way to start the day, really. I went for a run yesterday because sometimes I'll go out and uh, I'll listen to a podcast or get some music in just to to help kill the time. Um, I mean, because it can be a, a boring sport as much as I love it, <laughs> as uh, as you'd know better than anyone in the world right now. But uh, but yesterday I went for a, an hour run and uh, I did exactly what you did on a similar trail to what we spoke about that that leads between Trailgan and Kawa, that nice, soft, gravelly surface, pretty soft underfoot. Uh, actually very similar you're running past paddocks and cows and hearing birds and there was like a little bit of mist in the air and I thought mate like this is the it's the perfect way to start any day and so I I just get home and I finish with a little ocean swim because we're close to the water and uh like you're just ticking about five different boxes you're getting the exercise you're getting some nature 
getting time away from technology. And I just came into my wife, the poor thing, it just copped it sweet. We've got two boys here. And uh, we were in very different moods <laughs> when I walked in the door. And I go, babe, wait, just go out and uh, dip your toes in the water. And it is amazing just how, uh, you know, putting your phone aside can, can make such a big impact to your mental health. Hey, because I, I reckon exactly. there's a direct correlation between how many times I pick up my phone and how grumpy I am in a day. Like if, I, if I've picked up my phone 50 times, by the time 7 o'clock rolls around, it just it puts this feeling in in your brain that there's just so much more to be done than there really is. And when I can leave it aside, I uh, I don't know, things just seem to slow down a little bit, hey? Yeah. A big thing that I don't have music or anything is I'm, I'm trying to understand my, my brain, understand my mind, and it's hard to do that when you've got things like music or things like just alternative things that take your mind off it. Mm. That makes sense. Oh, it makes a lot of sense, man. It makes a lot yeah. of sense. I reckon it's a reason that so many people struggle with meditation when they, they get started with it because we're just so used to having that external um, stimulus that when all of a sudden the static, oh, that noise disappears, like that static in your brain starts to crackle and you're like, man, I've got a, I've got a lot to work with here. So, so what other things have, uh, have been beneficial to you outside of running and exercise What's, um, I know you said, like everyone, we still have our, our struggles and our challenges uh, from time to time. During those periods in your life now, what are some of the tools that you're using that have been really beneficial? I think it's a good question. I've, I've been pretty good of late. A big reason when I get, is why I get so low is that I feel like I don't have a reason to live and I've got a reason right now. So when the dark times come, they're hard, but I've got something to work towards so I can sort of push through it. Yeah. I think everyone in the world relates to that. I definitely feel like everyone in the world relates to that. I was, I'm trying to think, I was listening to, who was I listening to last night? I'm trying to, it might've been uh, Lex Friedman was talking to Mark Zuckerberg. And uh, I've been dirty at Mark Zuckerberg for the last couple of years just because of how limited Facebook is with what you're allowed to say and speak about. Like there's just been so much censorship. So I was like, all right, I'm going to give this bloke a, a go. And in my head, I didn't like him. And he kind of won me over because he's, he's more charismatic than you than you would think, like a, a computer nerd, which is the reputation he sort of developed over the years, a very successful one um, that a computer nerd would, would have. And, and one of the things that he spoke about, or Lex asked him, he said, what's more important to you, process or, or vision? And, uh, and I liked his answer. He said, like, every single human needs to have a desire to work towards something because I, I would feel the same if I had no big overarching goal. How do you get yourself out of bed in the morning? It just seems, I mean, like, obviously, you've got, in my situation, I've, I'm, I've got the luxury and sometimes just the chaos of two young boys, um, which is a, a big thing. But, but, I mean, in my own personal ambitions, I, I totally relate to that. And just there's something beautiful about a project and the stepping stones. I don't know if you've you've ever read Atomic Habits. Um, don't think so. No, Bro, you should check it out. I reckon you'd I reckon you'd you'd absolutely froth it. But this uh, this bloke talks about um, just that process. That often we have these big goals and and no idea of how it is that we're going to get there. He said you've got to set the goals, but then come up with practical steps along the way to actually get you there. 
And on a daily basis, just being out there doing your runs are those practical steps. It's like, it's a really practical and almost the perfect metaphor. Like each day you're literally taking steps towards that big overarching goal. So were you always the same, even when you were boxing, did you have that same kind of approach? Just like, all right, fight night's coming up. Um, yes and no. Like I, when I was getting ready for a boxing fight, I would always give it a hundred percent. Um, but there was always a, a bit of hesitation. Like at the end of the day, I knew it wasn't always in my control. Um, the result of the fight, no matter how well I did. So there was always a little bit of like, it, it is what it is by the end of it. Um, but yeah, this is sort of a, a bit different. Yeah, in, in what sense is it different to you? Just because it's it's completely up to you rather than having to navigate another opponent. Exactly. Like, like if I if I do this, it's because of me. If I don't do this, it's because of me. I've got no one to blame. I've got no one else responsible other than myself. So if I want to do this, I need to make it happen. Yeah. What makes you most nervous about the run? Um, I think the, the things that can go wrong. Like I've had um, a bit of – so I had a stress reaction in the femoral neck, which is the reason – why I haven't been running the last little bit. And if that breaks, because it's surrounded by arteries, I'm going to lose a hell of a lot of blood. And you're three, three days from the nearest town, so if something goes wrong, you're stuffed pretty much. Have you, have you got anyone looking after the first aid side of things with you? Not really. No. And that's, that's the scary part. Like if, if nothing goes wrong, It'll be fine, but if something goes wrong, I'm going to be yeah, I'm in a hell of a lot of trouble. Yeah. So where did you say it was? Sorry, the stress fracture. Um, in my femoral neck, so where the femur joins the hip. Okay, and is it? it it's not not a stress fracture, just a stress reaction. If it was a fracture, I'd yeah be in trouble. I was going to say, I thought that might have been the reason that you'd taken a few weeks off. Oh, so it hasn't been completely no. off. You've still been in the gym. You said. Um, yeah, still, still been training, just avoiding any impact the last couple of weeks. But body's feeling strong now and back running again now. So, yeah, pumped. It's interesting how that works as well. For so many runners who put in a lot of work, I often find this with golf. Sometimes I'll go in and put in all the work and then I'll have a couple of weeks off and come back out and there's something that's just been absorbed because I'm a fairly shit golfer um, when I'm not practicing. Oh, I mean, like everyone is who hasn't practiced it re- uh, regularly. Um but I often notice that when I have a little bit of time off, it surprises me how fresh I come out. Like you can develop this idea of what the perfect routine has to look like in the lead up to a certain event. But there's so many examples of people, actually like endless examples of people who, for whatever reason, they have an interruption to what is their perfect training plan. And they come in and absolutely just smash the event that they're training for. And I I like that because... I think sometimes we can get so in our head about what it is that we need to be doing and how it is it needs to be done that to prove ourselves wrong like that just by uh, nothing but like a frustrating interruption is is really encouraging. I find that encouraging because I'm training for the Melbourne Marathon at the moment 
And I mean, like every listener to this podcast knows how much I've been bitching about my calf strains. And it's taken me, it's taken me a little while. Like I've had about six weeks of or seven weeks of uninterrupted training now. Um, but it's, it's just interesting to, to notice that pretty much every single buildup, regardless of who you're talking to, has the equivalent of what you're dealing with, what I've dealt with. So I like, I like that uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that things aren't going to go according to plan with the big goal. You just have to learn to, to no. duck and weave with the punches. And it's, it's good in a sense when it happened and that it wasn't as serious as it could have been as well because I learnt more about my body. Like I had a left a weak left hip abductor, which I wasn't aware of because you never use your hip abductor. <laughs> and then that was um, the the reason why my hip bone was taking so much of the load. So I've been strengthening all those muscles now. They've increased by, I think, 10 15%. So, um, yeah, muscles are strong now. Bones are strong. So it should be good to go. That's great, man. What, what kind of stuff are you doing in the gym? Um, pretty much just training everything because I'm going to use everything for the run. But being doing um, a lot of calf raises, started doing toe, um, toe raises to strengthen the shin, been doing Nordics, which are always fun. Um, <laughs> And then, yeah, had a little bit of a shoulder injury a few years ago, so strengthening that as well because sometimes that gets tight when you're running for six hours. Yeah, um, so true. Dude, the amount of, sti- yeah. amount of stitches that I've had in my shoulder over the years is unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> and you don't think about it, but your shoulder stays flexed pretty much the whole time, like a slight movement. If it's weak, it's aches sometimes worse than your legs do. <laughs> It's such a good uh, yeah, so just training everything. And outside of your massage and uh, things that you're getting every few weeks, what are you doing in terms of recovery at the moment? Um, it hasn't. I haven't been doing a lot because I haven't been doing a lot of work the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, been doing strength work and things like that, but my body's not been under like heaps of load. Um, but when it was, I did. I used to do my runs and then go for a sauna sesh and a swim straight after pretty much. And then, um, yeah, massage and osteo and things like that. That's great. Just down at the aquatic center there. Yeah. At the new aquatic center using the sauna. Do they have cold plunge pools as well? No. They need to get that. That'd be a great addition. I'm always there with my three-year-old boy, unfortunately. So I haven't been able to actually go in and check out the sauna but i mean it's a uh, yeah pretty good setup dude it's uh, it's really exciting so uh, you're obviously going to be posting some of this on your instagram are you, are you thinking about doing anything on youtube or um you got some some crew coming to get some footage for you yeah i'll i'll have a videographer with me on the run who'll be recording it from start to finish so i'll uh yeah definitely put that up on my instagram probably <laughs> there's that much social media these days it's sort of hard to be on all platforms yeah, at, dude, I at find once the, so i find the same man yeah i might put a few things on on youtube but i don't think i'll be um as active as i am on 
on sort of Instagram. Nah, awesome, man. Well, dude, oi, I'm cheering for you. I'm pumped to see the results. I'll make sure that I link your Instagram in the description below for, so that anyone can uh, uh, that's interested in checking you out can, can follow along. Mate, thanks so much for coming on. It's been fun talking to you. Um, best of luck. I can't wait to hear about your next project because I know that this Simpson Desert one's not going to be the one and only. You sound like the kind of bloke who's just going to uh, keep going to bigger and better things, which I'm excited about. Easy. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me on. Nah, man, that was fun. All right, brother. I'll see you later. See everybody. Thanks for listening to the Relaxed Running Podcast. If you're ready to become a faster, more efficient runner, visit www.relaxedrunning.com 